Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of True Chat, a community podcast, a made music production. I am your host, Joy of Joyful Sounds, and this is episode four of season three, entitled Inglewood's Color Kingdom. The power in color. Or is it the power that we give to color? Yes. Remember when the black and white television found color? What it did for the viewers? <laughs> yeah. So remember I told you you're going to hear a lot from artists throughout this season, right? So the question is, do you all feel that artists have a responsibility to the people? A role to play. Well, this episode, you'll hear the voice, a returning voice, of Miss Nicole Bond, a teaching artist. Are all artists teachers? And are all teachers artists? Well, today is definitely the day that those two need to combine. Teachers, if you don't have a little artistry in you, you better get it because it's going to be necessary that you have it in your toolbox, especially the way you all are having to teach now. Online, trying to keep the students' attention, if that's what you're really trying to do is teach, it's gonna be difficult. You're gonna, have a, you're gonna need to have a little artist inside of you. <laughs> we have gone on for a nice conversation, and see, this is how we get down in True Chat. Okay. Really okay, have conversations and discussions more than interviews. But I would love for the listeners to know who you are and what you do. So please introduce yourself to us. All right, listeners. Well, my name is Nicole Bond. Um, that is my name. As far as who I am and what I do, that is an ever evolving process. But because we are <laughs> with limited time, let's just start by saying that I am a uh, teaching artist and a museum educator at the Smart Museum of Art, which is the academic art museum on the University of Chicago campus. Part of the work we do is with Chicago public school students. Most of the people who come through our museum come through as Chicago public school students on field trips. Another part of the work that I do is to deliver a 10-week art curriculum inside the classroom at certain Chicago public schools where they no longer have an art curriculum. Um, the powers that be, the people who sign checks have decided that art is an expendable piece of curriculum that can be eliminated. So as in partnership with the Smart Museum, I get to take art into classrooms. And in doing that work for the last couple of years, I've just come to some really interesting revelations. I never would have thought art would have been an inroad for anti-gang violence initiatives, but here I am. So that's the short introduction. Um, also uh, um, award-winning poet and uh, thank you, thank you very much, thank you very much. And uh, also was just um, my cohorts and colleagues and peers were generous enough to nominate me to be awarded for a National Teaching Artist Award of Recognition, which much to my surprise, I, I received earlier this month. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit of who I am. 
That's amazing. It is really amazing uh, that a lot, like a lot of the women that I've been running into lately, and I was about to say the synchronicity. Like once you, when you start to speak, it's like we we really, I'm really being synced with mm -hmm. the people with like minds. And I love it. And it, a lot of times it comes through this podcast. I'm just saying that to say that I can't, I can't hear any other voices, mm. even voices that were good for me, even voices that I needed to be listening to. I couldn't hear it. So if I can't, couldn't hear it then, what they own now, you best believe they really ain't hearing hear it. it. Mm -hmm. They don't even have the same kind of loyalty. So they're not hearing it. You have to say, so what would it take? What is it going to be? Or what would it take to get them to start listening or to hear? He said, you got to build a trust and you have to make it a reason for them to know you. Mm. And I was just thinking, that's a lot. A lot for somebody to really try to do. If that's for me, then that's something that is going to just have to happen for me. My thought is, let me go through the leaders. If they building all this kind of shit in the jails, mm -hmm. then I can go through and, and put this message in there. And so I started telling him about when they killing them is when they started to find out how to truly free themselves and free others. That's when people start to die. So you start talking about citizenship and uh, what that means and the choices that you actually do have. And then it becomes a dangerous game for you if you got money to back you with the story. And so for me, I just see being able to go and talk to these leaders to push that agenda. Okay. You know, and push that agenda on a massive scale. It don't have to be just a few, push that on a massive scale. And it would change, you know, we already going through a change of the world now. But that on a, like, a, everybody's still trying to fight within this government. And that to me is always like, I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement with it too, because I'm not, I'm, I gotta, you know, I'm, I'm in this country. But at the end of the day, we keep asking for something that ain't gonna be given. Cause why would I give it? I would have gave it to you. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So why you keep asking me and fighting, da, 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 I'm gonna keep lying to you. And so I just want us to say, you know what? done <laughs> and this is what we doing as a whole that's my thought um i guess i went in a lot like i usually do no hey that's what we're here for we are here to go in and and to that end i i would say for me what what i envision it looking like is well i just think of all the power that is in our black men and how that power could be better served for our people as a whole and there's just so much about gang culture that i will never get because i am not in a gang i have not been in a gang um i don't know what that looks like up close and personal what i know about it which is strictly from an academic standpoint from just trying to find out um the history of gangs is that gangs started out for for a good cause they started out um with the end goal that I have in mind now is as a way to be a protective force in their community around just your average everyday little hoodlum. We have a force of 
bigger and badder hoodlums. And no, you're not going to take Miss Gilmore purse because she go to church with my mama and stop that. How it morphed into this thing that it has become now, I don't know that. I don't have that piece. But I would like to, to envision a world where there is that same amount of strength and brutality, if you will, but it's being put toward our end. If, if you're willing to just go out in the street and shoot randomly because of some beef you have over, I don't know what, gym shoes or your money wasn't right off the corner or any reason, what would that look like if all of those black men and all of that power was able to raise up and say, we've been telling you we've been asking for this stuff for all of these hundreds of years and now seems to be the moment Thank you, George Floyd. Ooh, okay. But here we are. <laughs> it what would that look like? Yes. They what would that look like? <laughs> but that's why, like, oh my God, girl. What would that look like? A new It world. would look like you not having <laughs> to pay somebody to give you a job so you can pay your rent. It would look like you not having to stand in line at the free clinic because you've got a sore throat. It would look like there is a grocery store on your corner that you can walk to and get fresh fruits and vegetables in your neighborhood that you can afford. Mm -hmm. It would look like that. Um, but because we're so just steeped into it, we can't see past the hand in front of us. And the hand in front of us has a gun in it that's pointing at the dude that made us mad over some bullshit. I'm just trying to teach the kids to paint. I'm gonna start there. That's what yeah. I'm gonna start. And that, what are your thoughts on the roles that artists have to play as it relates to the violence? It's particularly in Chicago. I think the artist's job in, in any situation is just to, to show you stuff however we do it. If we do it with a poem, if we do it with a painting, if we do it with a podcast, photography, if we're actors on a stage, we are to show you something because the, the scholars study it and collect the data and, and the lawyers work out the legalese and everybody has a role to play, but artists are really just to, to show you something that maybe you would have overlooked or maybe you didn't see it, you didn't catch it the way everybody was telling you. They told you on the newspaper, they told you on Facebook, they told you on Instagram, they told you on CNN, they told you in the Southside Weekly, they told you in the Defender and you still didn't get it. But then some little old lady comes and writes a poem <laughs> or some, some guy does, does this amazing piece of music or paints this bomb mural somewhere where you would not expect to see a mural. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, now I get it. <laughs> and that, that's, that's what the artist is supposed to do. That's what's up. That was a beautiful, I love that. that yes, that's, that's what I see the artist's role as being. And after the artist has done that, sure, there's room to do more. But the artist, my work is done. I have released that work of art out into the wild. And now it's up to you. Now okay. that you've experienced that, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Oh, that touched you, that moved you, that was an aha, now I get it moment for you. So are you just gonna get it and go back home and go, man, I heard a really good poem today or I saw a really nice mural today. No, what are you gonna do? You gonna, you gonna mobilize people with your podcast? You gonna mm -hmm. talk to the leaders in the jails? You gonna, what are, what are you gonna do? Cause there's mm -hmm. something that everybody can do. Um, what's the young man, um, is it Jamal? Um, 
my city, my block, my hood. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm not going to say his name right. But one thing that he always does say that I will get right is what is one thing simple that I can do today that'll make a difference. And that's, that's, that's everyone's charge who is inspired by any kind of art. What are you going to do with that inspiration? Mm-hmm. What do you feel? How do you feel about women in violence here in Chicago? And the reason I keep saying here in Chicago, I always say that because the podcast was originally about ending the violence towards ending the violence in Inglewood. It was. I mean, all, all violence is an issue. Um, and <laughs> unless it's, specific and and protective i mean if 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 you come at me well then hmm, mm-hmm. i have something for you um but just to just to be violent for the heck of it no the, all of that is an issue it just seems like there's a lot of rage i would say to that violence symptom it's it's not the cause of anything it's a symptom any i would just have to to guess that that is in response to something mm-hmm. that has happened to them um and that's the the only art- alternative or tool that they have for for processing through that i mean if you if you come at me and mine well then this is something that i have to do is what i would assume but i don't know like i like i led with earlier yeah i'm looking at this from an outsider in vantage point so i don't know what is going on in the world of a woman who feels that this is the only choice that she has. I have to react in this way or respond in this way. I, I believe to my core that we are all doing the absolute best that we know how to do with what we have. The choices that we make are based on the options that are in front of us. If we could make a different choice, we would. And I think in every moment, each one of us makes what we feel is the absolute best and most necessary choice we can make with the tools that we have. So. To that, it goes back to to the artist's charge. What can I do or what can any of us do to to help make sure that these women, these men, these children have different choices, have different options that they can choose from? Because you still may have a problem that you need to solve in a particular way, but whereas you've been trying to solve that problem in this one way, which is the only way you know how, which is a violent, destructive, deadly often way, Let's try and see if we can work some other tools in to your toolbox to work with. And I don't know what those would be or how that would look, but I do believe that that's possible. The main thing that I'm trying, that I will be initiating with my work going forward, however our school year is gonna look, sounds like it's gonna look like this Zoom conference looks, but, mm-hmm. uh, and not so much up close and personal, but the inspiration for the art project that I'm currently working on came from being in a classroom with third graders. These mm-hmm. are little black people who are eight and nine years old. And we were working on a project that involved using a lot of different colored paper. And I noticed there was a run on the colors blue and red. I had every color you could think about, but these little kids either wanted blue or red, and that's all they wanted. And I thought, huh, okay, what's up with that? I'm just doing my art teacher thing, I'm keeping it moving. And then I didn't hear, but I overheard a student third grade now so this baby is eight years old and i don't know the name and the name doesn't matter but it was the equivalent of saying well 
Sue's using using blue, and she a blood. I can use blue if I want to. And I was like, oh. <laughs> what did you say? And try, try, try as I might to get that baby to repeat what she said, she wouldn't say it. And I looked to the other three children in her little table of four, you know how they pushed the little mm -hmm. elementary school desk together, and everybody was like, mom's the word. Nobody was saying anything. But I heard what was said. And two things happened for me immediately. The second thing was, because this didn't occur to me till later, that it's that same culture of silence that starts all the way back to third grade. Mm -hmm. So if somebody's getting shot on the block, everybody on the block knows who shot that baby. But like those little kids in that third grade classroom, nobody's going to say anything because, because of fear, because that's the culture, because loyalty. I don't know whatever the reasons are, but that, that was striking to me. So then the first thing that happened, because that was the second thing, that realization. The first thing was, so what do I do with this? I don't know what to do with this. And because I had absolutely no training idea at all and still really don't, I'm kind of growing into it, of how to deal with that. My first thought was to take all the blue and all the red colors out of the palette. <laughs> so we're going to make some art. Situation. All kind of art, right? But we're not going to use blue. We're not going to use red. Now let's see what that do. I fixed it. Yay. And then I thought, you dummy, how are you going to teach art? <laughs> minus two of the primary colors and they're only three so that's not gonna work you're gonna have to find a way to introduce this and have a conversation about it and then it occurred to me it didn't occur to me i mean it, it is color theory if you mix the pigment red and the pigment blue you get a new color mm -hmm. which is purple so i thought it could be that simple or, ish, or the effort to try can at least be that simple. So if I can get kids to think about, hey, mixing blue and red on paper looks like this. Think about what it would look like if those blue and red factions, if you will, mm -hmm. mix together and create something brand new and stronger and bigger and better and bolder and safer. And, and yeah, so that's the project that I will go forward with with the school year. It is called Color Theory, and it is based in basic color theory. color theory. Blue and red make purple. Purple can protect black. Purple can build green. Blue and red at war is white. Like Amy Cooper white. Like Ahmaud Arbery murder white. Like Derek Chauvin knee white. Like Darren Wilson Ferguson white. Like nice guy at the office who ain't really nice at all white. And the hate you give Purple is royal, like Martin was a king and Nelson a prince in South Africa and in Minneapolis. Blue and red make purple, not making this up. It is a theory. Mix it together. Purple is a truce. Purple is power. Purple can reign. Watch.
I'm hoping to do. And I'm not naive enough to think that there are not other colors involved. Yeah, but let's start right there. Let's start with blue and red. See. Yeah, yeah. It's the colors that. The same thing. If you get these, this brand new, bigger, bolder, more unified color in paint, you can get that with people. So I'm mad at you over here on the red side because you're doing this thing on the blue side. And I'm mad at you over here on the blue side because of the way you do this thing on the red side. If we come together, we will see that together we are stronger against this whole other side that really don't give a damn about either. Uh, come on now. And you have to talk about it. Just like those babies would not tell me what that little girl said. Because I heard some of it. I didn't hear all of it. But I heard enough of it to, to be having this conversation with you. And I, I asked them once, twice, three times a lady. I asked them over and over again. And they, the, the best I got was one little boy. He raised up and said, she didn't say nothing, Miss Nicole. And that's the same thing that's happening on the block. Yeah, just... Just, just, just try to love each other. We need to love up on each other. You know, whatever that looks like for you. You don't have to be the warm, fuzzy pe person, especially now. You know, we're in a pandemic, so you don't want to be like literally loving up on people. But just, it's sometimes it's easier to be mean than it is to be kind. But if you make the effort, kindness feels better when it's done. So just, just try to, just try to love up on people. Love up on people, okay? Some people don't really know what it feels like to truly be loved, let alone unconditional love. The kind of love that starts at home. The kind of love you learn from your family. Then carries over to your, your neighbors and your community in your circle at large. And when you're not getting the love in those places, you do naturally. As humans, we go and we look in other places. Security is number one, and when we don't get security, we go looking for something else. Security comes through that feeling of unconditional love, where when you're feeling unconditional love, you don't get embarrassed. <laughs> you Do you realize that? You don't get embarrassed, so you end up doing shit that seems weird to other people because they're not used to seeing people be or live so freely. And you end up living freely because you're not embarrassed. And you're not embarrassed because you know you're gonna be loved regardless of the sh crazy shit you may do or how, cra or how silly you may be looking. So who do we have to blame for love not coming out of our households? We can continue to point fingers at the system. Yes, we can. But is that going to change shit? Is that going to change the love in our households? Hell no, because it was designed that way. One of my favorite places to visit and to study music was or is Montanza's Cuba. Cuba. 
And what I, one of the things that I love so much about that place was how the people of the community loved the children. And it was all the people, okay? And so this was my experience. Uh, I, when I, I was there studying uh, drumming, and one of the, uh, the Santos, right? His granddaughter was turning one year old, and they had a big birthday party, and it was his son's daughter, okay? Now listen to this, okay? The mother, the mother and the father ain't together. They don't even really talk like that unless it's about their children, okay? The son whose daughter it is, him and his girlfriend are not married, but they're together, okay? They're together. They allowed, the jails in Cuba allowed their brother, which is the, the child's uncle, to get out of jail for this birthday party, all right? Everybody in the community attended this birthday party. The neighborhood drunks attended this party. When I tell you the way they love on their kids, their children, I have never seen it before. And I long for that kind of love for our men. When I tell you the way the men love on the children over there, it is ridiculous. Cuban men, the love Cuban men give to their kids is like no other. That's what one of the reasons why they can come out and be fearless, fearless who they are in their masculine and femininity. I love that. That was one of the most the most influential experiences I had that I wanted to take back and bring to our men. And I, I truly thought about um, uh, the men of Chicago. And what I realized is a lot of this is because they know who they are when they come out. They have a tradition that comes straight from, the Af from Africa. They have a tradition that lasts and they held on to a tradition that allows them to know who they are at birth ri through rituals and traditional practices. And so they know and they celebrate them and they treat them that way throughout their lives. So these children come up knowing who they are. Here's that generational gap. Where are our traditions that tell us who we are at birth? because the traditions that we've been having are not serving us and their lies. They're teaching and showing or telling us that we're violent. We're violent people. Everybody celebrated that little girl. Everybody. And nobody was turned away. It, it, was, the, it was the most beautiful thing that I've seen. And I, I, truly, I truly long for that experience here. What I will say is the way our children are coming back nowadays, uh, star children, okay? Indigos, a lot of black children are being born with autism and all of the other mental illness diagnoses that they have for our children. They are coming back teaching us how to love. They're showing us how to love. If we wanna keep these children or we wanna stay in their lives, they showing us how to love, and a lot of times it's in an adverse way. So 
my suggestion is that it's time to change the things that don't serve us anymore that keep us from protecting and loving our children the way they need to be loved. So again, we're not out here marching in these streets. You feel me? A special thank you to all my supporters and sponsors. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook Live Joyful Sounds for the Backyard Jams Funky Fridays hosted by Joyful Sounds, another made music production at the Promised Land, a beautified lot in West Inglewood. We are healing the community and lifting spirits through sound music power. All the artists are volunteering their time with Joyful Sounds. Last week we had Miss Rashada Dewan along with Genesis of the Shy. This week we will have Elisa Latrice rocking the house. So be sure to tune in next week for another episode of True Chat, a community podcast, a made music production. Find out how artists are continuing to give through their talent to what's happening in our world today. I am your host, Joy of Joyful Sounds, signing off and out. It is like everyone I might see adversity penetrating my communities, creating perceptions that we need to be freed to its energy.